two of Real Indigenous, where we, I can't remember all of our little ta- taglines, I'm sorry. Let's put it in later. Put it in post. Because we talk, we're real Indigenous people talking about real Indigenous things. On your screen and everything in between. We're just taking a stab at it. Hagalayabsi, <laughs> Uvanga Angela. And with me are... OCO, Hawaii, Candace Bird. This is Tully. So we're starting off season two with the amazing other indigenous series, Rutherford Falls. We're going to talk about season one in this one episode instead of going episode by episode just to save us some time. I've binged it two or three times. I don't know, Candace, how many times have you watched it? I think I watched it twice, at least twice. May have been three, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn sure, like, I know for sure I watched it twice. Okay, Tilly, how many have you just watched it the one time? Yes, I've watched it once. So Rutherford Falls is set in a fictional town with a fictional native nation that shares space with settlers, colonizers. Two friends, two besties, one is native and one is non-native, and they are navigating the world of history trying to figure out who gets to tell history. Is it the native story? Is it the settler story? Which version wins out? Where is the truth in history, especially with these two different cultures? That's the word. Especially with these two different cultures that overlap. They, They live with each other. They interact with each other on a regular basis. They're both trying to get ahead in life and advance their society. So overall, there's Ed Helms' character and Janice Schmeeting's Schmeeting's character, and they are the besties. And Ed is the head of the local historical society, and his family home is a museum. And in front of this museum is this giant statue that everybody seems to run into. And he is resistant to moving it because he doesn't want anything to change. Now, Jana's character, Reagan, has just come back from getting her master's degree in, I want to say, museum studies. And she's trying to reconnect to a a community that she walked away from, (laughs) a little scorched earth. (laughs) 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 She left her. She left her man, a community member, at the altar. At the, and then he went on to marry a non-native. So, yeah. And then her boss is the head of the local casino. And then there's also the mayor of the town that interacts with the casino. And the storylines kind of move between economic development and personal growth, you know, Uh, There's an NPR reporter that comes to town who's covering the the meltdown that Ed Helms' character has during a presentation. And they're trying to get to the bottom of all of that. And so he embarks on a journey. He finds out some, some things about his family that he didn't know, including that it's not his family. Mm -hmm. And so now he's trying to discover his family and, and what, what is history? And, and Janice taking a different route in discovering that, yes, we have 
Native people have a past history, but we also have a contemporary history. And how do we tell the story of how we are now and how we move forward? Does that pretty much sum it up? Yeah, I think so. Who gets to tell the history story and why does who gets to tell the story? Why do they get to tell the story? All right. So the creators are Michael Schur, Ed Helms, and Sierra Teller Ornelas. Sierra was like this uh, person who actually worked at the National Museum of American Indians out in Washington, D.C. And so I assume this kind of influenced her story of telling the story of this culture center. And when she uh, came to the uh, ABC Disney program, she was kind of like, you know, everybody was excited to see her. And, and, you know, she was like from step one, she was kind of the star. Everybody just fell in love with her. Everybody thought she was great. And everyone just knew that she was this super talented human being. So I was just lucky to be around her because, you know, she's fucking funny and shit. And everybody was fucking funny in that, in that writing room that we had. And so that was at the Institute of American Indian Arts that we did that. I kind of wish that I watched this show before I watched Reservation Dogs because it tells the Oklahoma story in a way because we're talking about how land rights and land ownerships are changing hands and all these kind of things with Rutherford Falls. And then we talk about a reservation setting within Oklahoma. But anyway, so, she, you know, so she's like a super smart, like person, super talented. She comes from a very crazy talented family. Her mother's like an award-winning uh, weaver who's like written books and told history of this. Like, I think they're like sixth generation weavers. She's also a weaver. It's just like, you know, she's just a fucking badass. And I've always like, you know, just thought she was, she was the coolest. She got to the program where she got to go to the writer's room in California. She kind of just from there, you know, just attached herself onto these different TV shows. I think Superstore, what was the other show she was on that everybody liked? Happy Endings, Brooklyn Nine. She, yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, she did some work on there. And I think that's where she met Michael Shore. And so then what happened was Michael Shore and Ed Helms were trying to create a, a series about this character who wants to hold on to history. They started to delve into the Native American aspect of it. And that's when they called in Sierra to kind of be that that Native American voice within that story. So that's basically, is that and what I've, Yeah. I mean, I've always appreciated Mike Schur's series because they do ask the bigger questions and find really innovative ways to explore the bigger, the answers, if there are any, or if, even if there are any, like The Good Place, one of my favorites, Parks and Recreation. Oh my gosh love parks and rec just those slice of life small community interactions and all of the characters that come with those so i've been a big fan of his for a long time yeah and i think it was a joke that they they were like we should have a crossover of uh rutherford falls and park and recreation (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing they should do that I mean, that given Pawnee's history of... And its name. I know. <laughs> and its name and that mural. And yeah. there were some there were some Native characters in there too. Yeah. So I'm glad they got to be more three-dimensional, got to become humanized in, in, this, uh, in this new show. And the thing that I like about this is it's more my experience living, having been brought up in a non-Native world, primarily being the only Brown person in the room, having to explain why I'm different and not knowing why, and just seeing how tokenism takes place and all of the assumptions about the mysticism of the American Indian and all of this stuff. The fact that Reagan is just kind of a hot mess is 
very endearing to me because I always am a hot mess. <laughs> and, you know, trying to earn your way back into community and some of the foibles she has to go through to get back in good with everybody. Very relatable. And then her friendship with, with Ed Helms's character is very relatable. Most of my friends were non-native growing up. And, you know, they would always ask me about what it was like to be Indian. I was like, I mean, I don't know. I go to the same movies you go to. I like to go to the ballet. I I read the same books you read. I mean, it's just. I eat the same food you eat. (laughs) It's weird when people ask you that question and then you never, like you go along thinking that, yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm chilling. I'm good. And then someone asks you that question and you realize that, oh, you are the other. Yeah. Anyway. No, that's a great point. Yeah. And I love, I love the details that they put into uh, that Janish meeting put into her character and the, obviously it must've been like some of the set designers and some of the art decorators and the, her, her stylist person. Like, I like that uh, in, in their throwback years, she looks like she was probably <laughs> grunge, like maybe nineties grunge or emo. And I've, and there's this trend, which I didn't really get into, but my, my brother and my sister were, where it was like the, all the Indian kids, they were super like, and, and Roy is into this. My, my fiance, he, he did this where they're the native kids are into alternative forms of music, you know, and that's how they express themselves. Like Roy's Roy's a metalhead, and my sister loved emo, you know, she loved emo and scream and thrash metal and and oh my gosh, butt rock, well, all the things. And I and I'm I was like, yeah, I love goth, ick musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love gothic musicals like Jekyll and Hyde. Like the native kid that was like the weird amongst the native kids. (laughs) But to be fair, Julia loved them too. But she could also go and I love that that look that Jano rocks, you know, with like the that kind of she's got her little side bang swoop that's totally my sister know. you know got the and the dark eyeliner you know and she looked great in it and so Jana and so I really appreciated like the nod the tip too like native kids usually got into like more alternative forms of music <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah to kind of express the angstiness that comes with you know everything so yeah I really liked her friendship with yeah. uh, I need to look at his character's name I love that 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 Nathan Rutherford. Nathan Rutherford. Yeah. I like that it felt very genuine too. Like that felt like a but I love too, like the this isn't the kind of friendship where it's just like we agree on everything. No, no, this is a real friendship that is tested. And there's a point where, you know, he has these realizations that you know, everything is not as he seems. He is not at who he seems. He is not who he thought he was. And she, you know, just tells him, now you know how it feels. You know how I feel every day. And we have this funny moment where I, I think, I thought it was a brilliant moment where, and Ed Helms has such a great expressionable face that he's like this moment where, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. You know, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> duh. Yeah. <laughs> it's that dumb moment. Yeah, it is horrible. <laughs> and I feel that they didn't fall into some of these tropes that we talked about with reservation dogs with the whole, you know, 
dumping of all the things we've always wanted to say. They did it, but it wasn't just like a blah. It was very subtle. I mean, the the land acknowledgement is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Michael Gray Eyes was brilliant. Oh, I was laughing so hard. (laughs) And I will admit, I think that he's definitely the series stealer of, of this series. I mean, it's definitely about Nathan and Reagan, but his character comes on and I mean, it's just, he's a great breakout character. Yeah. His delivery and his performance is so good. Oh gosh. Like I saw elements of native men that I know and elements of my dad in him. Like whenever he's trying to figure out which, which native bling he wants to wear, you know, and he gets that. Oh, I was like, Oh, that's too much. <laughs> that's too much. And then, but then he goes with like a with like a cuff and it's like it's like yeah make them feel make them feel guilty and jealous (laughs) (laughs) and i think uh tazba's mom valerie was saying that um and it may have been tazba herself said that all that jewelry she borrowed from the castmate she's like okay i need this and i need this and i need that and she's like reached out to, I think it was some of the people on set. Do you have these things? And it was like from her own family's like wardrobe. She's like, I'll give it back. I'm guarding it with my life. But so it was like her family's, oh, cool. <laughs> her family's pieces. <laughs> well, I know that Janet did all the beating for the emojis that the, the daughter yes. gives oh. to the museum. I want to get some of her pieces so badly, but I never make it in time for her oh, pieces drop on though. Etsy. Yeah. yeah yeah i know when that beadwork drops like i didn't care what piece i got i was just like i'm gonna try to get it and i was there on time but nope no <laughs> just couldn't do it couldn't swing it so now that we've gushed about it tully tell us yeah tell like well, yeah oh, i heard i heard you here. i've only heard whispers it came to me <laughs> in the wind. i saw the it wind. in the sky that you had i have thoughts when i first saw the advertisements like I knew nothing about it, and I knew that Janice Schmeeding was a native person on a TV show, and that was enough for me to think, "Oh shit, that's cool." And I knew nothing else about it, and I didn't really see much press about it or hear much of like anything about it. Like you know, when Reservation Dogs came out, everyone just about every week posted something about it. A meme was created. All these things come up. And for this show, it's kind of like a very like quietly got in. And a part of it too, in my opinion, was that it's, as people say, it's the first show to have this many indigenous writers. I think there were like four or five indigenous writers on this show. It felt like that kind of almost like Reservation Dog kind of stole its thunder a little bit because they even took actors and writers from this show (laughs) to their show (laughs) and and we're not really talking about that and also when you hear Sierra do these interviews you just get so excited for her and you're so happy for her because you know she's talking about all these things she's doing for native people is how she's like you know she's I can remember when I was starting out because it wasn't that long ago and so if there's like a guy that comes in who's just new and they tell me you know I want to be a writer and if, if, and I see that talent in them, if I can't bring them to the show, I'm going to try to find a show for them, she would say. And those kind of things were like really cool and really great. And then the shows, I knew nothing about it when I watched it. I kind of like kept myself from learning or watching the commercials or whatever they're called. 
the question I had was on the streaming Peacock platform, say that five times, do they drop all the episodes at once? No, they dropped them one at a time. Weekly? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I got to see it all at once, and but I didn't know anything about it. And so when I watched it, I was really excited because, again, I watched Reservation Dogs first, and then I watched this. And so I thought I was going to get some more Reservation Dogs type stuff. And so when the first episode I see, you see the car wreck first, right? And right. so the car wreck, which is absurd because... <laughs> In a small town, how's somebody going to hit that? <laughs> Otherwise, everybody would be hitting Big Ben, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I kind of like got a little nervous because I, I haven't seen no native faces yet. And I'm like, oh, okay, shit. All right. And then we cut to the, what do you call it? The, the, the title. Oh, oh, the animation. Yeah, the animation title part. And, you know, you get to see the history of Rutherford Falls. You know, we start with the possum and then we pull back to these white dudes cutting down a tree. We see the Indians and the white dudes interacting. We see the town being built. And by the end of it all, you have the Rutherford statue in the middle. And on one side is the, the Indian images, like the, the, the elder house with the, their, their tribal flag. And on the other side, you know, you have the non-native images with the American flag, two American flags, and all these other things. That kind of told you what the story was. And so then we cut to this real extreme close-up of Ed Helms as he's talking about the history of Rutherford Falls. And so I'm kind of like, okay, uh, where are my native people's at? And so we're not seeing, you know, Janice till like four minutes into the program. You know, she's at her cultural center by herself trying to practice a speech, whereas Ed Helms is giving a speech to these kids. Then we get kind of the background of everyone. She's trying to expand the cultural center. People are making fun of her or people just don't care about what it is. And so her, you know, her, her homeboy is Ed Helms. You know, they've known each other since kids, dreamed of having a museum that they could open up ever since they were like four years old, I think she says. We don't see Terry until like 11 minutes, about halfway into the first episode. We, you know, we get to meet a black mayor. We get to meet a non-binary assistant to Ed Helms, who is also a good character and a good actor. Yes, and, I really like that yeah. character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesse Leia, I think their name is. And they're really good. <laughs> and so you have a good amount of culture in this series. And I thought that was really great. But the issue I had with, with it was that I was not prepared for it to be another white lead actor. Whereas I thought that Jana Schmeeding, who plays the character Reagan, was going to be our main character that we would follow in the show. And I felt like when I really loved the show was in episode four when we have Terry Thomas's story. Yes. Yes. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, this is what the show is. This is a good show. And I probably had that with every TV show probably where I'm like it takes me time to finally get into it. Terry's show was unique and deep and you knew who this person was and it may be the acting and it may be everything but he was a well-rounded character. He's very like full of layers. I mean he's kind of a dick sometimes and sometimes he's a good guy and sometimes he's a great family man and sometimes he's a shitty family man and so I lean more towards Terry Thomas And then as the show progressed, I felt like they were moving away from Jana's storyline and focusing more on Terry and Ed Helms. And so when I first came into the show, 
I thought the story was going to be about two best friends who come at odds with each other and they would have this this thing that comes between them that makes them fight. And it's kind of there, but it's not there as strong as Terry Thomas's and Ed Helms, because that's where the big, what do you call it? The conflict is. Yeah. I wanted Reagan to be the Terry Thomas character because in my preconceived notion, that's how I saw it, where she would butt heads with someone who's been her best friend since childhood. She might be okay. in season two. I hope she is because, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but I felt like her storyline was, I want a culture center, help me get one. Mm-hmm. And then the internal storyline is being coming a, a full self-empowered person, I guess. What, what's the term that I could use? But because, you know, she's starting to realize that Nathan Rutherford's kind of a jackass. He's an asshole. And he, he doesn't give a shit about her or anything else but his history and who he is as a, as right. a white male human being. Right. And yeah, he's she pretty kind myopic. of calls him out. What's that? He's pretty myopic. Yeah, I just got this myopic view. I, like, oh, in my family, my family's history and my version yeah. of history right. matters. Yeah, because it, it even happens where he asked her to help him. It happens a few times, right, to help him to get the historical stuff. She go, They go to the, the aunt's house or whatever it yeah. is. And he does not. He doesn't yeah, give a shit doesn't. about these artifacts. Right. That belong to her tribe and her people. And, like, she's devastated. Like, she can see, like, this is. But how normal is that? That is so very normal. normal. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so normal. Yeah. And we we even have, we have friends like that too. Yeah. That have all of these things. And you're like, Ooh, how did you get these? Why do you have them? Why do you have those things? So I, I think that, yes, it is. It does become maybe a secondary story from maybe your point of view as a male man <laughs> go ahead and say it <laughs> as a man as a native man but i think that their friendship and the balance of power in that friendship shifting is very much a female story i mean it's very much from her point of view that awakening and stop being the 100 supportive friend and becoming the equal friend mm-hmm. and, I, and I I hope that that is addressed in season two yeah I hope so too because as I watch you know from the first episode to the last episode of this season is that in, in a way to me this dude is kind of a uh, uh, breaking bad right he's kind of like we start out thinking he's going to be the hero and maybe it won't I, I, that's what I'm thinking it's going to go to and then maybe he'll get a redemption since this is a comedy and he doesn't get shot up at the end or whatever happens. Right. But, <laughs> but I think that, you know, this is kind of like this story about this guy who had one point of view, acts real shitty, and then kind of comes to terms with his history and who he is. And, and aren't we seeing that on a national scale right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my daughter and I have talked about this. The, the two steps forward that we take in representation and equity and having it just slammed back. Mm-hmm. time and again they keep trying i mean that's that's the modus operandi with stitt's administration you know we got the mcgirt decision and he's they're chipping away at it bit by bit by bit in the hopes of reversing it even though it's a law it's a treaty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean the rule of law should still mean something but it only means to the people that are losing the power, it does not. Yeah. 
And so that's the same thing that's happening to Nathan is that he is facing a loss of power. Mm-hmm. The future is marching on without him and the future is marching on with her. Mm-hmm. And so there's that huge shift of power that he's really struggling with. And she is too, because this is her good, good friend that supported her as she went to school, as she left her man at the altar, mm-hmm. as she's come back to try to find a place. So, you know, it may not be obvious that he was helpful, but he was there for her in those ways. Now, mm-hmm. how are they going to resolve them? Shifting their power dynamic is going to be really interesting to watch. And I mean, just given the track record of that production team, I bet it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to season two because um, I'm just looking forward to seeing. I I, I want to see too how um, I know like you said that it felt like it felt like Reagan's storyline may have been pushed back a little bit, but I would say like it took a it took a pause when we you know yeah we got to the Terry episode. But I felt like it, they were able to conjoin again. And this time, like when we see that, like, like Angie said, that dynamic shift of she goes from being Ed Helms bestie to being like a protege and being mentored by Terry. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how does that relationship, how will that relationship grow? Because I, uh, I was taken aback at first whenever I saw that it looks, it looked like there would be some enmity between those two characters, you know, and um, I I was a little bit like, oh, well, when they were setting him up to be like, he's almost the antagonist, but I love the way that they, they go through his layers and you see that he's not, I love that they made him not, he's not the antagonist, you know, and I think that's part of the, the beauty of this show is it's asking, you know, a lot of, it's asking it's asking you to look at your expectations of people and maybe of ourselves to uh, look at who, why do we consider the heroes of our stories, the heroes, you know? And I think that question is, seems to be spe- specifically aimed at, at white at Nathan and his family, yeah. yeah. At Nathan and his family, very specifically. Because we know that, I mean, they're the heroes to Nathan, but their industry is horrible. Yes. As we find and- out. And we find too, like, you know, there's even, there's even some leeway given to him, uh, you know, when, the, when it turns out that legally, you know, it looks like Jana can get her, her cultural center, but it has to come in a way that's going to cost Nathan some things of his, and he isn't willing to give a budge, not an inch. And how many times, like you said, have we seen that happen where it's like, Hey, like we, the native fleet, our, our, our people, the native people, like we followed the law, we learned the law and now we're lawyers. And now we have found a way, we have found a way that you have broken the law and now we're going to make it right because that's equity and that's justice. It's actually not justice. It's more equity. If it were justice, yeah, justice, would be, justice would justice would be different. There would be punishment. <laughs> they feel like it's, it's, it's being a, <laughs> a bad there, No, it's not justice. It's like, no, actually, we are willing to work together as community partners. And I feel like this feels very much feels like a parallel, but in a very non-funny way to Stit, you know, where he talks about like he calls in his re-election campaign ads, he he talks about tribally owned casinos and our leadership as casino bosses, 
you know, and in a funnier way, Rutherford Falls is, you know, it's, it's humorizing this attitude and, and, you know, of course it's not about Stid or anything, but I can, I can see a lot of parallels between what's going on right now and what happened in season one in Rutherford Falls when Nathan just, he won't give an inch because Mm -hmm. things are changing and he's losing some things, but he could have kept actually a pretty good deal. He could have kept a pretty good deal and he could have had some of the resources of the tribe at his disposal. All he had to do was give a little and learn to live with some of the people in his community and not on their land, on their original land. But give them power, you know, and give them power. Yeah, because as I recall, yeah, as I recall, Terry was pretty much giving them everything he wanted. Absolutely. We're not going to fuck with your museum. We're not going to fuck with your shit. We're just expanding our land, which is what, and this is why I said, this is what I wish I saw before Reservation Dogs, because to me, this is about, like you said, this parallel of what's going on with McGirt is that like, you know, we're, we're not taking shit from you. We're just fucking taking, putting in what is already established as ours, as something that we have. And we see in different parts of America that this is how it is. It's, we don't kick everybody off the res that ain't, that ain't oh. native. No, we just have a different no. structure of our, of our, of the way that things work, the way our laws work, the way our government works. Mm-hmm. The way we think about the bigger picture. Yes. And take and care of each other. Absolutely. The series, it is probably more of a sitcom than uh, reservation dogs are, but 100%. it's still not, a traditional sitcom also and because you know in sitcoms you know you have the episode where there's like this really like serious situation we talk about it then we move on to the next episode and talk about a different serious situation this whole series is a comedy and it makes you laugh but there's also these layers of serious situations that happens and, and it's almost like if you blink you miss some of them you know because there's talking about history there's talking about representation there's talk about who who tells a story so like you said with uh jana's character talking about this is how i feel every day that's very important that's a very strong thing to say especially to a white person who just doesn't because we like you said we say that a lot of times we've said that to non-native people and not the white bash but you know and uh no it's just telling our side of the story yeah. Then, like with season four, where Terry Thomas talks about the way the fiat system works with the native population. That's like that, that monologue he had was really hard, man. That was like really deep. I mean, that shit, like, mm-hmm. I felt oh that gosh. shit. Oh, yeah. I, was, I like stood up his, and applauded. Yeah. I mean, his monologue. Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah. I was, I was yeah, like ready to be like, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I was ready to do something. Burn I was, I, yeah, burn it. <laughs> I was ready for something. <laughs> if Terry Thomas came and ran for chief, he'd probably be like, I don't care what native nation you're from. You're going to be chief. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come and lead us. <laughs> that monologue should go down in history as one of the best native monologues oh. ever oh my gosh i want best monologue ever and best monologue yeah just ever it's amazing especially yeah this dude michael gray eyes man i mean like i think he knocked this shit out of the park i mean not not to discount everyone else and that might be because the reason why i felt like he became like more of the lead character because 
I actually, maybe it's my male connection. <laughs> but, <laughs> male no, connection. no, no, no. I don't think so. I think it, he's just a very compelling character. Yes. And who yes. has, who speaks some really hard truths. Yes. And he's able to, I think that that's why they made him villain-ish at first is because they had to put the hard truths in his mouth because they want the audience to like Jana, mm-hmm. you know, but we get to hear the hard truths from Terry because his character has been there, seen it, lived through it and lived, you know, longer, longer than, than Reagan. Yeah. And, and you get to yeah. see the different generations, like his kids are yeah. just so gen z or whatever oh my gosh yeah they they're gonna have they have happy very happy lives and that's great very happy i mean way to bring the beautiful wife i I love that his i love that his wife is like former former indian Indian minishanka or something (laughs) (laughs) that was kimberly norris too right yeah, it well, is. Yeah. She does an amazing job as the mom. Oh my gosh, I no, love like, her night and day characters <laughs> where she's I like, she's like, don't forget, I, I was, I was like Miss Miss Indian World. You're with yes. Miss Indian World, <laughs> and he's like, what does that have to do with me? She's like, oh nothing. I just needed to. I just need you to, you know, be reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like uh, her, uh, her scene in that lacrosse game. Yeah. Yelling at everybody. I said, like, that's me with my kid when she's playing lacrosse. I'm like, get, get your ass out there. <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah. embarrass your people. <laughs> yes. I love I loved both of her characters. And then she turns right around as like res chick and making <laughs> phallus beadwork is a great yeah. <laughs> <Rez auntie>. and, <laughs> In the, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> you guys made me laugh <laughs> Well, and I will say that one of my observations, you know, being in communication, is that NBC took a very mainstream way of rolling out the press for Rutherford Falls. They did a lot of like, of course, it was during lockdown, so they couldn't do a whole bunch of stuff, but. They did a lot of YouTube videos where they would bead and talk to the showrunners who, you know, a couple of them were non-native, so they were trying to learn how to bead and they would talk about different topics. And, you know, there weren't the, there weren't the gifts, there weren't the memes, there weren't, there was a very different approach to the marketing that I don't know that it helped win over a lot of native viewers because there it just wasn't have. anything that went viral but whereas I, like I, viral yeah like yeah. i said i didn't see much of videos being shared of the show and like i'm kind of pissed about that because like again this is the show almost that came first and that's what happens right whenever the first right. the first thing does not get the recognition it's the next one that comes along go ahead and it say was something disappointing it was disappointing and i do agree it is very much a more traditional sitcom because and that didn't really even dawn on me until we had talked about reservation dogs being an anthology mm-hmm. because it is it's just little snippets of of day-to-day life in small town oklahoma whereas this sitcom addresses bigger themes i think mm, yeah and my question is like i mean like i wonder what behind the scenes was like when when ed helms and michael sure was coming up with this show 
how deep into it before they decided to bring Sierra in? Like, because I'm, I was, I'm, I was wondering, like, were no, they think, immediate to do I it? I think it or was pretty like, much early on. I saw, I watched okay. several of the interviews with them, and it. I think, if I remember correctly, because it's been a minute, they were just sitting around talking one night about history and who gets to tell it, and that was the genesis of this whole show. And, so, and the other thing, too, is like, just imagine what it would be like if she didn't come in, because you can tell that there's like, not to sound like a pun, but how this weaving of these stories and this character that is so indigenous, even within a white setting with a mm-hmm. white male lead, mm-hmm. you, you feel the Indianness within the show. Oh, and yeah. that's what, oh, what feels good about it. There's still these layers and these stories and these, and these themes that we like and the humor and all that. And like, again, going back, I know what I was going to say about uh, what you were saying about earlier about Terry Thomas and her, his kids, you know, that two di- diametrically different things where, you know, Terry has a kid trying to sell that stuff and that white dude, like asshole white dude kind of fucked him over. And and then, you know, the kids the like, do what? You mean the brownies when he was selling the brownies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a hardcore scene too because that shit about made me cry because, I, I, you know, I don't know if y'all have experienced that, but I've experienced that shit too as a kid, you know? Mm, mm. And so then, like you said, like these, now that he's like well-to-do, got kids who don't like really give a fuck, so now nah, I just want to give my shit away. He's like, but you can sell it. You can make so much money. He's inquiring <laughs> how much somebody would pay for it. <laughs> That running joke, how much would you pay for that? You're a white person. (laughs) Oh, I love, I love. And the bead owner, the bead store owner that Candace and I both know. So happy to see Allison Hicks up there. Oh, Allison. Yeah, it was so cool to, I was so happy for her that she got that, that she got that, that gig, that spot. Because Allison, Allison's a very cool lady. she is an enrolled citizen of Prairie Band, and I know she is of Choctaw Nation descent. I do know, I do know that because I I know her kids are enrolled too. But you know, she she lives and works, I think, out in L.A. and yeah, she, she works way. she works very hard. You know, she works she works very hard, and I'm I'm happy for her. I'm happy mm-hmm. that she got to be on this. <laughs> I know. I hope I hope they come back to the bead shop. Yeah, do. more beading, more beading. We need more beading. Yes, more bead representation. <laughs> it well, is cool. I really think that that might have helped with all these bead workers, you know, having oh. having native bead work just happen to be on your show. Oh, and that was something too, something else about representation that I felt like was so important to the show was all the, the native brands that were represented because I think Sierra and I think B. Yellowtail, like they're, they're yeah, different, right? Yeah, I think Bethany's right? in there. Um, yep. Is and when, Jamie? Is Jamie Okuma in there? Yeah, Jamie Okuma is in there, and um, at one point, I think she's wearing a B Yellowtail <clears throat> T-shirt. She's just wearing all the native brands, and that was that was so cool. Was so and then cool. I, and then when I saw her earrings by Tashina Lee Emery, I was like, I got to get some of Tashina Lee Emery's earrings because <laughs> those prices are going to skyrocket, and those are so beautiful. And I always liked quill work. <laughs> but you don't see it down here in Oklahoma very much you know I know it's I see it more northern northern tribes and, yeah. but I've always admired it you know and I'm like oh that's such pretty work these are yeah they these were are very the intentional oh what's that they were very intentional in bringing in designers and artists for that yeah and I love that she was she was very much like 
we're going to showcase the, I love how the team, whoever made those decisions, like we're going to showcase these native artists and we're going to use their designs. I like the giving back to the community, diff, you know, side of this. And I think that that's, I think that's a large part of uh, indigenous communities. I know like lots of communities, that's how, that's how we keep ourselves employed. That's how we keep, get, that's how we're reciprocal. I, I like it. It's cool to see it happening to indigenous I think both series did a really good job of doing that. Yes, yes. It, it's cool to see this native streetwear because that's very popular. There are quite a few native streetwear websites that are popular. And of course, Stephen Paul Judd's everywhere. And, you know, it's it's good. It's it's the, good what is them. the uh, brand? NTVS? Natives. NTVS. Natives. 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 No bow. No bow. Nope. No bow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I can't remember what it is, but it's an acronym for something. NTVS. <laughs> Just like Thomas J. Paul used to have Indianess. <laughs> natives, natives doing native shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how, like, yeah, like you said, like it's both these shows, it's community oriented, and that's kind of like what native is, and it's native storytelling. And then in our last discussions of the of the previous shows, we start talking about all the like the these, these are the Indian Easter eggs, all these arts, <laughs> all this. <laughs> Right. All these people are actors are people we know from the community. Right. <laughs> and, and even and Gary it, Farmer. We got Gary, Uncle Gary in there again. I know, Gary's in there again. <laughs> He'll probably be naked in season two. <laughs> <laughs> Many of the aunties hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked uh, that episode where he's like, oh, that's a blender. It was brought from Standing Rock. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was a good episode, too. Of yeah, where they were just that was so great. Shit. Yeah, they were bringing what looked like junk, you know. Gosh. And I like how it, even Janet, like Reagan's uh, expectations of what is what is valuable or what is valuable to our native community. I know she thought that everybody was playing a joke on her, probably, you know, and laughing at her by bringing them, by bringing trash or junk or things that don't look like they're culturally significant items. Mm -hmm. But I like how there are some people that, and I think that's part of native humor too. Like sometimes if we like you, we zing you really hard, but when you need help like that, we will, we'll come out and we'll support especially when we see the, the, the good that it's doing for the community. Well, and yeah. that was really to the point of, you know, we don't always live in the past. We're not always going to be leather and feather that, yeah, we were at Standing Rock. Yeah, this is from Standing Rock. Yeah, this is, you know, our first child was conceived to this VHS tape or whatever. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, those are contemporary Native stories that yeah. need to be preserved because it's, we're still here yeah. yeah and I think it had to I feel like uh I don't know whose touch that was uh whether it was Sierra's or, or Tazba's or or someone's <clears throat> which showrunner it was but it kind of like that episode kind of reminded me of an exhibit I saw at NMAI where it was about um I think it was called um was it treaty to treaty something about Arnasia, I think it was curated by Suzanne Schoenharjo. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you see is it looks like a pile of junk. But what that is, is that that was like the directional signs that came from Standing Rock. And it was like a way of providing directions like this way is like Navajo Nation. This way is like, or, you know, is Indian territory. And this way is um, Miniwachone. And it was, it, it's, it's cool to see like that is culturally significant. 
And I think it speaks to like, sometimes you just got to use what's around you. And then it just becomes culturally significant because of the things that it witnessed. Well, yeah, I, think, I mean, I might've seen that at that um, exhibit because I think there were like beer cans in it that uh-huh. from a protest that some fishermen had mounted against yeah. um, in Washington state. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. why is there a beer can? And then I read the story. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. And that's that, that says something too, like because historically that's always happened. Even so, even with our quote unquote, what do you call it? Like artifacts or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the term is, our stuff. Our stuff, <laughs> because, like, yeah. When you know, when the um trade happened with Europeans, you know, the, the weavers of rugs did not have color in their rugs. It wasn't until they started trading with Spanish. Is it Spaniards a bad word to say? I don't think so. Okay, when I started trading with the Spanish, you know, there was they had red underwear is the story I was told. And so they would trade underwear and they would use that thread with the underwear and they would make red rugs and they started trading them in other kind of color, colorful tiles and colorful clothes and that brought the huh. color into the world, into their work. And so, you know, those kind of things happen. Or they find like an old rug, they would take it apart, take the thread from it and then weave with that. So it's always been a tradition that we did. We just don't really talk about how or when we got these things and where we got these things. And the other thing, too, that's good about this show is they they were the first ones to uh, use on television Skoden Studis. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think so, because they did it before Res Dogs. And their two episodes, first episode, when they go to the gaming, was called Skoden. I remember they're, they're uh, walking out and they said, Skoden Studis. Mm-hmm. And then the episode oh, yeah. after that is Studis. Yes. <laughs> Did that come from Bobby Dews? Bobby Dews. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Those two guys, him and Julia. Yeah. Yeah. Julia Jones. That's who, who you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They are cutthroat. I love them. They so much. are. They are. <laughs> They're hilarious. They're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> so they were picking on her, but when she needed that shit, they're the ones who boosted her cultural center. Yeah, yeah delivered. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I love how like it's they're mean, but it's because they're brutally honest. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like oh, is it because no one likes you, or you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that reminds me of like my sister's humor. My sister has humor like that, <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I had that. <laughs> but I oh, think it's because of our birth order. Because I was being mean. I, was <laughs> like, oh, I guess I'm the mean auntie. <laughs> 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 yeah and their play off of each other is, is wonderful they're great secondary characters and of course devry shows up and she's a great secondary character yeah and then the oh my gosh the lawyer the the family sins and his oh the, the son or disgrades him <laughs> oh my gosh yes he's like let me this great. let me guess you're this is your first year at the law firm and, da, 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 and just like just nails him yep just nails him Well, I feel like once again, like we're getting a taste and I think I heard that for both these shows, from what I understand, I think from what I've heard is that these were both like a dipping in the toe of the pool. Like we're just trying to tell like both with both Reservation Dogs and Rutherford Falls, we're just trying to see if they'll let us. And then if they, and we're just kind of, oh, yay, we're, we're going to play nice right now. But when they got greenlit for season two 
It's like, all right, now we're going to dig deeper. We're going to go harder. We're going to bring more fun and we're going to, we're going to go harder. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens. I hope that season two is just unleashed in all kinds of ways. And yeah, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Uh, I'll have to download Peacock again because the only reason I downloaded Peacock was to watch Rutherford Falls. Same. How, what did you guys think? Did y'all still feel like Reagan was still the main no, character? I, th- I think that they were still the main characters. I think Terry was a breakout character. It kind of reminded me in some ways. It wasn't quite like this because this was not a comedy, but you know, in Lost, how we have our main characters, but we take a long break from them to get introduced to other characters lives and and storylines and so that's kind of what it reminded me of i didn't i knew that i knew that the series would come back to reagan and to to nathan but i'm happy that terry is like block and step i think that he's i think he's gonna be right there too that's kind of what bumped me a little bit even though i like terry's character it we kind of i felt like we lost reagan's character where her storyline became more minor Whereas the pissing contest became more of the main main story. The other question I had was, would the manager at the casino be the one making the land deals and all that? I think for this world, maybe, because it looks like Terry is CEO and chairman. Okay. So it sounds like maybe he could. If they're set up like the uh, in Alaska Native Corporations, then absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking of Quapaw Nation too, like with Quapaw Nation for a long time, our, our chairman was also the CEO of the casino. Or CEO, I call him manager, <laughs> CEO. Or CFO, but yes, yeah. but usually a CEO. They're all the same to me. And the COO. <laughs> yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, I guess because I really wanted the Reagan character to be like more in it. And I think that's just probably a personal thing. Maybe everybody else thought she was well. And I wanted her to be the Terry Thomas character, but we do see her changing over time also within the story. And maybe like how Ed Helms is kind of having his downfall at the end of the story. Reagan's having her rising of of being a stronger person within the community. And she's, you know, it's almost like kind of, she's almost kind of reconnecting with her native peoples and becoming a part of the native tribe and like not just, you know, trying to function as someone who's, a friend, but someone who's actual a strong leader within the show. And so, you know, her monologue was good. was good too. When she I had to, loved her I, lo- I loved her monologue too. You know, let's, let's, it's not our bucket, you know, about the crabs in the bucket monologue. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a great monologue. And yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, you know, I think I was clapping <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, she, I feel like she stepped back into, we see the leader that she can be. And I think yeah. we'll grow into be, we're, we're seeing a little bit of that i think in that monologue so and i saw did you have you all seen like one of one of the new promotional pictures where you know dallas gold he's in season two he's got his arm around her did anybody have issues with the npr relationship guy with the you know non-native relationship oh i think i mean that was just a blip i think that was just and in fact i kind of wondered why it was there there was a part of me that was like "Mm, i don't know if that will work you know but because, you know, she's, you know, she's, she's very strong, you know, and she's, you know, she's got a mission. I don't know. I kind of had that reaction, like whenever I was a little girl, sometimes always as a little girl and watching like Disney princess movies, I always felt like 
the guys got in the way of the adventure. Like, why is he the end of the adventure? Why is he the end all be all? Why is he ruining this this woman's fun life? <laughs> and so <laughs> and I yeah. kind of would have that reaction. And I kind of had like a little nostalgic memory of this, of that. Like, why is this guy ruining this gal's <laughs> her adventurous life? <laughs> and <Right. laughs> I should have just why. been a snag. Yeah, just to, just to, well, just it boiled down to that, but but on the other hand, then but then I I found myself embracing the storyline because I was like, we never get to dictate the terms of our own sexualization and our own sensuality in these relationships, you know, and in a relationship with a white with a white character too. So I was curious to see like where this went and what does she do, you know? I then it, I then I found it compelling and. You know, I never, I hardly ever get to see um, Native women who get to be in healthy relationships, you know, and so I, I, I thought, it, I thought it was good. I thought it was good because it doesn't work out, right? Take me. It does like, not. He does yeah. Not. I like, it doesn't work out because, because it doesn't work out. Of course it doesn't work out. I, I was really, um, I kind of, I felt powerful, actually. I felt very powerful for, for Reagan's character and for that moment. And also I think one of the big things too, is that. Reagan is, and I'm, I hate, I hate that there's a category for this because that has gone unmentioned till now, because it's just something that's normal. So normal in our culture is, is Reagan is my Reagan's character considered a, a plus size character, but that's so normal in our communities that I didn't think twice that I'm like, of course she's the lead, duh, you know, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't that that hardly that never happens in television or in movies to see a quote unquote a larger body in in a in a lead role in an and intimate so, relationship in an in a, intimate yeah. relationship in an intimate relationship and so yeah, they, in that moment even in the kiss and whenever yeah they're they're having this this fun they're, they're having fun yeah I, I felt this is empowerment this is very empowerment, you know, for, for, for native women and for people who live and, and, you know, people who just, you know, take up space in different ways. And I was like, oh yeah. So I, I actually kind of found it to be powerful. There were a couple of, of interviews with them, with Sierra and Janet talking about not talking about that, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it never is discussed explicitly in the series. The show. Yeah. It's to, at it's, all. And I like, I love that. And, and they did that very purposefully. And I appreciated that a million percent because yeah. she was just, she was living her life. Yeah. And that's absolutely, that's exactly how our communities are. You know, my grandma, you know, I, I just, you know, it's so, it's so different body sizes are just so part of our community that, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm so glad oh. that it doesn't become like, it doesn't become like too focused on in like the the television show because honestly it's like no there there's other stuff to talk about we no we're not going to do this and as my friend Tara who she talks about she talks about <laughs> of she's like I am the ideal beauty in my community you know all the, these other people who grew up <laughs> with these body issues she's like I don't get them I don't know them I don't understand them and I'm like you grew up that way you know hating on your body and thinking that you needed to be a certain a certain way she says no I am I am the ideal beauty the, uh, the ideal beauty in my community and I love that that's the place where she comes from and I feel like that's that's Reagan's character yeah I think that like what you said also is like you know like 
there's no like fucked up relationship. Everybody seems to be like in a good relationship, at least like within a normal circumstance, I guess they're not like, you know, there's not, you know, alcoholism, there's not abuse, there's not drug use. And, you know, and even though, you know, at least from when I was coming up, you know, we kind of like wanted more of those type things, but now I'm back to saying like, well, it's good to have these kind of things too. And it's good to have these characters who are like, you know, not viewed in this very quote unquote, like Hollywood stereotype mm-hmm. of, of yeah. the, you know, blonde, blue eyed sex object where everybody on here is beautiful. And there's all this different representation because it's, it's, they don't ever talk about it either. I mean, they don't point it out. It, they just, they just and, are there, which is. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at it. is that they're just there like you know like jesse lay's character is just there we don't point out you know anything about the non-binary aspect of this person and you know and you know we had the black mayor she kind of talks about her history a bit which is good and so you know there's all these different types of, of representation which also makes it great and none of it gets pointed out none of it gets really like emphasize and I think that's just like pounded into your psyche hey look we're doing (laughs) diversity right I think that's part of the charm of the show too absolutely is that these are here they are these are the this is these are the people and they live side by side they learn how to get along and they they fight they have disagreements they're friends they're lovers they're enemies and say hi to each other on the street yep they go to the same history contest Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good episode. <laughs> oh, oh, I love, I love that. Like, it's a white kid telling our <laughs> Like, he's like a Mark Ruffalo. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the next question is what more do we hope for, like, in the second season? I want to continue to see that growth of Reagan and the downfall of Nathan. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, we think he's hit rock bottom. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. And it, you know, once you hit that rock bottom, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. If she gets everything that she wants, sometimes that's as much of a curse as it is a blessing. Mm-hmm. So how is she going to handle success after battling failure for so long? Right. And how much money is the tribe going to make? Yeah. How is that going to affect the history of Rutherford Falls. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there are any like current native issues that will make it into season two of, of Rutherford Falls. You know, like there's, this, again, like all these parallels that we live every day. I'm curious to see like, well, I'm, I, we need to know what the Supreme Court's decision will be on the Brackeen or uh, the, the Castro Huerta case. Right. That's currently before the Supreme Court right now. But they've now. already wrapped the shooting for, I mean, because that decision won't come out till June. So, oh, okay. And they've already oh. wrapped. All right. And they've already wrapped. Oh, they've already wrapped. Well, then never mind. <laughs> I know. Never mind. Season three. <laughs> Season three. Season three. Hopefully their marketing off. department will be uh, on top of things for marketing season two. Mm-hmm. That's my everyone get out there, get those memes, get those tweets, get those, uh, <laughs> get those shared marketing out there. Cause I, I I'm going to go and watch those, those beating things. So that sounds fun. and so cool. Cause you know, I'm like, God damn, how'd I miss all this shit? It's like these fuckers, man. <laughs> I had to look for it. I mean, I had to like physically oh. go look and search for their marketing pieces because okay. I was so excited about this series. I related so much more to this series and I was just like, 
well, where's all the behind the scenes stuff? Where are all the interviews? So I, I mean, actively looking for the interviews and the videos and the, the gifts and all that stuff. And I felt like I was out in a wasteland. And the other thing too, is like, I felt like this ending of this season was almost like uh, the ending of Godfather in a way, you know, how Michael Corleone joins the family but not in a negative <laughs> the way, not that he's doing, but she's joined the family, right? The native uh, family. Yeah. Yeah. She All has, right. she's, she's coming to the fold. <laughs> yeah. Cause she goes in for the meeting, right? The big meeting with everyone. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like that. And, and so, she, and for probably one of the first times in her life, she was accepted. She was fighting for her tribe's interests. She was the one going to dictate the terms of that what will be what would be a business relationship but it was affecting affecting her friendship but she knew it was for like the good of her people and then that way maybe we see her maybe a hint of her becoming like terry because everything terry does is for his family his tribe and in order to do that sometimes you have to be the butthead you kind of have to be the bad guy because you can see the greater good. Oh, that'd be awesome. I hope so. I hope I hope she becomes more of the main character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering like is who's if there's like it would it would be it's low-hanging fruit to make Nathan like the villain. But yeah, I do kind of want to see his downfall. Does he become more villainish or will it be Reagan who becomes more villainish? Because to him, she's like turning into a villain, you know, because she's not agreeing with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like I keep saying, I absolutely love this show. Everybody, if you ain't seen it, go watch it. Yep. If you've seen it, watch it again. Yep. Get ready for season two. You got to get season two coming that. out in June, motherfuckers. Get your ass <laughs> out and fucking, what, what we say? Steal your uh, your cousin's, was a peacock? Peacock account. Yeah, what are you doing listening to us? Get your cousin's <laughs> in. You don't want it. that peacock. Thanks for tuning in and our lively discussion about Rutherford Falls. Watch for our next episodes of Real Indigenous as we discuss everything that's on the screen and in between or close enough. That's close enough, isn't it? Same indigenous time, same indigenous channel. If you wanna make out, you better find a way to get here. Wanna love, I can find a cheap flight, but it's